This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Listen, Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I am Blake Howard. And look, I thought while we're on the topic of women in this dude patrol of a movie, why not keep a woman to talk about one of the main female characters um, and, and probably one of the more interesting interactions, actually, a quieter but very character-driven moment. I've got the lovely Sam McCosh again joining me for One Heat Minute, and she is at um, an online universe um, uh, on, online, so anonlineuniverse.com if you want to find her stuff writing about film. She is a former Kiwi, fluent Japanese-speaking Sydney film geek and mum, and she's also at, at Sam underscore McCosh on Twitter. Say hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good. Happy to be back. Oh, thank you for coming back. This is a really, you know, it's it's um, one of those things that I find a real, like, tragedy sometimes on one eight minute where I stop people in the precipice of, like, a scene and on the precipice of some new thought and then move on to another person. But it's good to, like, wrap this up because this is a really, especially this interaction is really telling about like Neil's sort of compromise. And we talked a lot about him thinking in the last scene and that self-doubt. So it's cool to actually see him act like a human being in the, in the forthcoming scene. So that's pretty cool. It's so different. It's like a, the, it's the two sides of the one coin, isn't it? Yeah. yeah from last minute to this minute. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to watch now. We are up to the 28th minute of heat. We're going to watch it. Sam and I are going to watch it. And then we're going to come back and unpack it with you guys. So you guys can have a listen right now. I didn't mean to be rude. I didn't recognize you. I work in metals. I'm a salesman. My name's Neil. I'm 80. You like working there? Sure. I get a discount. There's a whole section of books in my area. What area is that? Graphic design. I do um, letterheads and logotypes at night and stores a day job till I get enough going. Who do you do that for? Uh, a restaurant. I did their their menus and um, a small uh, record label. Such a good minute. It's such a good minute. It's really good because one of the things I didn't notice before, and this is a, a technique that Fincher uses a lot, but it's like, Move, the camera moves and tells you a hell of a lot about a character's motivation or behavior based on the movement as well. So it sort of mirrors it. So the moment that Neil sort of decides that he's going to have this conversation and he's not going to have like a, <laughs> like an abrupt twat with this person to dismiss her, there's a really distinct sort of his guard comes down and the camera does this beautiful, I'm just trying to get up to it again so we can watch it. So it's, from 27 minutes, 8 seconds, if you freeze frame, 
there's an arcing camera that goes behind Amy Brenneman's face that sort of goes to a much more open and warm Neil. So we're kind of, we're looking at them like with their backs arced up and their shells out and it's him being open and reaching out to her and go, oh, I'm sorry, I work in metals. I didn't realize that it was you. You worked in the store. My name's Neil. And so he at least gives her his real name, which we know. And there's this great, I love, <laughs> there's nothing more funny than watching someone put their hand out to shake it, someone not shaking it, and you look at your hand and look back at them like, don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging, bro. Um, but yeah, really interesting stuff here, Sam. What do you think about it? I think it's great, like you say, about the camera moving. The instant he goes from being closed in and sort of shackles up, shoulders really sharp, and his, he drops his shoulder and moves his arm out to shake a hand, and it's almost like he tips the camera, and the camera just, just... swivels around. And then from the first time, we're looking at them more from more front side than back inside so yes. it's just this whole opening up and the one thing I really get from when the camera moves and you can see it where you've got it frozen here at 27 20 the warm light in that doorway or whatever it is in the background it's suddenly it's there in this minute like once yeah. that camera moves it's just this glow and it catches the side of Neil's face too and the side of Edie's and you've also got the people sitting next to Edie who now come quite into the frame and they're you know, they've got these warm skin tones, he's blonde, she's got the nice brown, warm, and there's just suddenly this warmth. Yeah, and a couple, like a sweet couple are next to them, and they can have a, like a cordial conversation. And so when she relents and puts her head down and shakes his hand, you, you see a warm Neil. Like, he's like, I've broken through, you know, I was a bit of a dick, and now I've broken through. And what you didn't realise, and this is what, like, again, it's like watching these minutes and sort of... I try not to... In preparation for the in preparation for the show, I try not to preempt what, what my a person that I'm discussing this with is going to think. But I didn't really even notice about the two chairs. Like I didn't think I didn't notice why that was really important in the preceding minute, which is that Neil doesn't choose to sit next to someone. He chooses to sit, <coughs> excuse me, one seat away. Like just I'm 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 even I know I'm sitting at the singles table and I should be. The person that's probably occupying the, you know, the space next to another person to allow for someone to sit. But I'm going to purposely have two seats empty beside me so that I'm even isolated at this table. And then there's the moment where he asks her a question and in the middle of her answer, um, once he feels like she's warming up and he's got this sort of, you know, he's, char he's charming in this uh, in this moment. And it's something we haven't seen. And there's this great second where... 27 minutes, about 29 seconds, you see the most charming Robert De Niro face you're probably going to see in the entire film. And then for a split second, he casts his eyes over his shoulder at 27 minutes, 31. And it's, it's kind of Neil, like he's letting his guard down, but he's still Neil McCauley, which is really cool. He, he does have this moment where his shoulders are dropped and they're kind of rounded and softened and his whole face just has this younger quality, this more innocent quality. It's yeah. not that harshness. Just for a moment when he looks at her, he's like, I know this woman. I do know her. And she's being nice to me. And, whoa, this is like a human interaction. And then it's like, what's going on around me? <laughs> Guards back up. Whoa. <coughs> Excuse me. I love that. Whoa, this is a human interaction. Like, that's the most shocking thing, is that a human interaction is happening as opposed to him just eating his meal, as he would have. But there's a, like, I love... She's, again, as you said, it's very beautiful and open and people are eating and, you know, filmmakers often talk about the most organic performances they get out of performers are in moments where people are eating. They're sitting down and you're being natural and I think that that, 
you know, doing something you do every single day, multiple times a day in your life, it sort of takes away any artifice. And that's what's great about here is, you know, she's taking a drink and they're talking and um, she's talking about her day job. She feels a bit shy. Um, and and once once he asks the second question, he, she feels like he's not being, oh, sorry, Neil feels like he's not being closed out of her conversation. I love this moment towards the end of the minute is that he picks up his things and moves it toward her. And so there's a great sort of split second. We can talk about a few other things, but there's this great split second at the end of the minute where as he moves closer, she opens up even more and the warmth is there. And she's like, oh, I'm, I've broken through. I've broken through. <laughs> That's what it is. Right? It's like she's gone from being, oh, I know this previous minute. Oh, I know this guy. Well, he's being a bit, yeah, this is a bit rude. And okay, maybe he doesn't recognize me to, oh, he's talking to me to, Oh, he's moving towards me. Okay. Wow. We're getting somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. that says a lot about her. Um, she asks him questions like, are you lonely? And like you said, I think one of the things I want to pick up on what Sam said, which is great, is Neil is like LA. Like he, he is a city. And like we talked about, if you're in Australia, he's like Sydney. Like he's the big city guy. And there's Edie feels like country. And I think later minutes she talks about her family origins and if you're a real man aficionado, her family origins are the same um, area and region where Last of the Mohicans is set in 1992. So, man, not quite as overt as like Quentin Tarantino, naming characters and having things in the same, uh, you know, little tidbits that sort of carry through the different films, but certainly influenced by that. And she seems really warm and country and ready to have a conversation. And I think it's like a, a happy surprise shock that she's even getting to break through to someone in the in the context of LA. Yeah, you're right. And she if you think of the setting of Last of the Mohicans, you can imagine her there. Yes. You can imagine her like <laughs> sitting outside and, you know, doing whatever in that setting. In a corset and the and, and, and all the you know, being a nurse like Madeline Stowe, the you know, very classically beautiful ladies, big hair, you know warm, warm kind, kind and just think the best of people. And you can tell that about her straight away. She thinks the best of everyone. From the get-go. She's always going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yes. And she gives him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, where a lot. Most other people, after that first brush her off, would have been like, oh, fine, then, and gone back to what they were doing. But she's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep at it. And I think that's what's great, is she's surprised. So in this moment, she's surprised that she's breaking through. And in... A following moment that we're going to see shortly, what's cool to sort of reference the arc is, we're surprised to see Neil on the phone to Edie in that in the restaurant. So after the restaurant scene when he's surrounded by his guys and their families and their warmth and their happiness, he realises that he doesn't have any of what they've got. He's just sort of basking in that glow. So then him calling Edie is like, oh, maybe he is a human guy. Maybe he does have something. Maybe he does want something beyond the craft of what he's doing. And is that the crack that's going to sort of eventually turn, you know, turn who this guy is? Yeah, there's definitely something within him. I mean, he wasn't head <laughs> once, right? You know, he hasn't yeah. always been this stone cold criminal killer. Yeah. You know, there is something there. And the fact that she managed to break through in such a little time says as much about her warmth as it's about probably the fact that it's barely hidden beneath the surface that he's utterly miserable. Yes. 
and the moment that he stops playing the character that he's created for him in his life, which is this macho gangster guy, the moment he stops playing that character, he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. I I need need something more. And I think it's like, like, it's so, it's close to that layer, but it's really strange how you've got his guys who are, they've got their level of composure and professionalism to the nth degree when it comes to the job, like Chris... And then the minute Chris stops doing the job, he's immediately at that raw, I need to break, I need to gamble, I need to be impulsive. When Neil's almost got like this film where he pretends like, oh no, I I don't have any of those feelings. But like you said, it just takes some of that warmth or some of that kindness to break through. And that's almost like the hidden trigger. All All the darkness and all the stuff just keeps him impervious. But once you've got someone who's that warmth, it's like, oh, I can shine... To his humanity. It's really interesting because, yeah, like Michael's a bit more impulsive. Treo, we don't get to see too much of. Um, so, you, but you sort of can, can think about it in those terms. You sort of wonder what his childhood must have been like. Like, yeah. I always sort of, when, when I think of this film, this character, I think he must have had a horrible childhood. That he's sort of put up these shields from such a young age. Yeah. And maybe that's why he doesn't have those levels like the other characters. Yes. Because that's the only way he knows how to protect himself to function is to be at this even keel of in his shell, in his sort of metal shell. Yeah, and I think um, what's interesting is I think Michael Mann has talked a little bit, like without going into the sort of very, very specific detail, he's talked about when he was conceiving the character with De Niro, he was talking about him being in prison as a young man. So, you know, he's probably had a bad childhood and got into crime at a young age. And literally, they, they go into what what they refer to as in, in the United States and sort of like penologists or people who are interested in the criminology or, you know, in criminal justice system. They talk about gladiator academies, like uh, a place called Chino, like a prison um, in Los Angeles or the greater Los Angeles area, where they say, you know, young guys who make a sort of stupid mistake as a young kid and need to be rehabilitated invariably come out of their, they call gladiator academies where they just get taught how to be better criminals and invariably then go out and do more crime and then get busted for something with bigger stakes. And Neil is that guy, but has never been busted back. He's never gone back to, to prison or maybe he did go back to prison. We don't know. Which, which he, he sort of gets a little bit mentioned later in the, in conversations, but he's like, you know, he's so certain I'm never going back, but that's the way, the way, the way he stayed out is no human contact. Yeah. He's, he's created this real cold life for himself. And this is the glimpse of warmth though in this movie. It is. And that's why I love this scene so much. Like it's the, I, I look for that human element. Yes. And in this super masculine film, all about, you know, dobros and the <laughs> harshness and the killing and everything. So these little moments of warmth that these female characters bring that just, they add the depth and they give so much to the male characters yeah. to play off. And you're like, oh, you're a real person in there. You're not just a character. And even Tiny, there's um, Dennis Haysbert's wife, and I'm not sure of the actor's, the female actor's name at the moment. She's only in the film for maybe minutes where, you know, she's helping him get a job as he's out of prison and she and we watch her reacting to a glimpse of him on the television in the heist. And I, she's a character for me that's like a little oasis of warmth in the in a sort of cold movie as well because she's so warm and she's so 
invested in him having the best chance, even though the chances are so small that he's going to get through it without being tempted back to the game. Um, the game of being a crook. But um, yeah, I just, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's why um, as much as it's a very masculine movie, the women in this film are really memorable for me and they, and they really help, they really help flesh out the world. It's not just a, it's not like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like where it's just dudes in an office and the masculinity is dripping off the walls and tearing the paint off. It's, it, it feels like a real world. Yeah, I think the female characters could definitely have more, and I don't, like we mentioned before, I don't think they're all that incredible, but I think what they give the male characters is that human quality. They give us a glimpse into their, their hearts, into their souls, and it makes us feel something for these men who otherwise we might think, well, you're a disgusting <laughs> person. What, like, what do I care? I hope you get shot. You're horrible. <laughs> yeah. But because he makes this connection, and now you're starting to think, ah, oh, okay, there's something here, and he might have something to live for, and maybe I don't want him to get shot. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. A lot to talk about in this minute. There's... And... And... And even in just as as it ends, it's you've got this an extremely charming Neil Macaulay face again. Like this very it's it's De Niro the De Niro who has never been really in a rom com that I can think of. It's a very charming um, De Niro that probably we might have seen later in life, but still at like this peak intensity, you know, very physical um, performer that he is. And it kind of softens, right? I don't know. The yeah. suit, the suit softens too with him. That's the whole, the perfection of that design of that grey, nothing business suit. It could just be, you know, he could right now the charm. He could be in Mad Men. He could be Roger Sterling, and uh, in, in two seconds he's going to be a cold hard killer. So the lighting's changed. So you know, in yeah. the previous minute it made the suit look very dark, and now there's a light, and you see it's actually quite light grey. And also yeah. here in the background. Previous minute we had that yellow glowing light, yes. which was quite cold and harsh, and yeah. then here we have the whites of a, probably a chef or a waiter yeah. in the background, and again a guest sitting next to him that we don't see in the previous minute. Yes, so you've got the warmth of another person, you've got the whites in the background, and the more light coming in. So it's just altogether a much lighter scene to match the the lighter movie. So yeah. at this point they've made that connection, and okay, they're like, all right, there's something here. There's okay. something here. Here we go. Well, Sam Kosh, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of One Heat Minute. And um, I did. I, I can't remember if I promised. Um, I can't remember if I promised that I'd have you back in the previous episode. But I would love if you would join me for another episode somewhere along the line. Maybe not today, but another episode along the line in One Heat Minute. Yes, excellent. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you to Sam for joining me for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review One Heat Minute. If you want to mail us anything, any thoughts, any feedback, we'd love to hear it. Mail at oneheatminute.com. I am at Blakey's Batman on Twitter. Sam, if you want to follow her on the Twitter sphere, it's Sam underscore McCosh on Twitter as well. Or if you want to read her plethora of stuff and writing about films, it's an online universe. Thank you so much, Miss Sam McCosh. Thank you to Garth Franklin for our website design, Paul Davis for our music, and thank you guys for listening to One Heat Minute.